comes, it's Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter, the podcast that interviews the most interesting and influential people making an impact on Nashville's business, charitable, and entertainment scenes. Joining us now from his roving camper studio, here's Andrew. Welcome to episode 10 of Nashville Untold, and thank you for tuning in. Today in the Rambler, I'll be hosting Mary Beth Stone, a local songwriter. Mary Beth was recently awarded the 2017 Female Songwriter of the Year with TSAI and has a lot of musical wisdom to share with you today. Mary Beth will also be hanging around playing a, one of the songs she wrote at the end of the interview. So stay tuned and enjoy. Hello, Nashville. Today I'm coming to you from Donaldson, actually just around the airport. So you might hear a one or two airplanes flying over and some street noise. So that's part of our environment. Anyways, today I'm sitting here with Mary Beth Stone. Um, actually, I was introduced to her by Mark Barnowski. When I interviewed him, I, I just couldn't get his name. Like, I don't know why, and now I can get it, but I still see it and I'll be paranoid. I'm like, am I saying it right? <laughs> Anyway, so uh, Mary Beth, um, a little bit about her. Um, she was the grand prize winner in the ninth annual CMT NSAI Song Contest. National-based songwriter, singer, was also a finalist in the Lilith Fair Songwriting Contest and has placed in various other song contests. In 2017, she had several songs broadcast on Women of Substance Radio and subsequently included in their podcast. And new songs have been added to that podcast as well in 2018. She has songs in several TV, film, music libraries and has had tracks used as cues in cable TV shows. Most recently, she was a finalist in the 2018 Posey Awards. She is currently nominated for the 2018 TSAI Awards in the categories of Female Songwriter of the Year and Co-Writers of the Year. Her er earlier career as a singer with the band Pound Sterling included opening for the Jefferson Airplane. As we hear the airplane, perfect timing, right? <laughs> uh, right over us. And uh, Chuck Berry, Golden Earring, and Mose Allison. Hailing originally from New York City, Mary Beth was NSAI Regional Coordinator for over a decade there and today coaches songwriters on an individual basis. Every time I say or think of New York City, I think of the commercial with the salsa. New York City? You know what I'm talking about? Like, Think so. Think so. Yeah. So that's a little bit about Mary Beth. Before we dive into some uh, more detailed questions, uh, we're going to zip through a speed round, ask you a couple questions. So, how long have you uh, lived in Nashville? Going on four years. Four years, okay. Yeah, a little less. All right. Um, why did you move to Nashville? I write songs. <laughs> it it kind of fit yeah. with what you do, right? Exactly. All right. Exactly. And where'd you move from? New York City. How long were you in New York? Oh, long time. Yeah. Decades. I don't want to exactly calculate. Yeah. It. So how how do you uh, do you miss it? What's your? I do not. No. I, I I miss some you know I miss my family and some of my friends, but not the city itself. You know I I loved it when I was there, and now I love Nashville. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. It's funny because you know I I'm showing people you know around Nashville a lot and selling it, and I really love Nashville. Um, but it's cool too to you know 
sit with somebody that's from a big city and compare the two, you know, as we're growing, right? So sometimes I bet our, my wife keeps saying, I wish they'd just stop growing. And I'm like, but that's selfish. It's It's got to, you know. What's your thoughts on the growth? I'm with her. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I moved here, not for this chaos, right? Right, exactly. I I mean, I, I've been in Nashville. I had visited Nashville many times okay. before um, moving here. And it, it really is, when I did move here, you know, it was kind of like a big shock. I moved here in 2014 and hadn't been here before that since 2010. Okay. So there was a four-year gap right. during which the entire city changed. Well, we had 100%. the flood, you know, um, that 2010. The flood and, then, and you go to this corner or that corner, it doesn't look the same. Where am I, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's Well, and even now, like I was thinking about, hey, I need to get a good, you know, picture of a skyline or something. Well, really, the skyline picture is going to be old in like three months because they just keep popping up buildings, you know? Yeah. You'll need to get that from... Mark Barnowski's wife. Yes. She's got a good... I got a hat from her. Yeah, she does pictures of the skyline. And I need to add a couple more decor over here, so I'll have to uh, give her... Give her a shout. That's actually how I met Mark at the farmer's oh, market. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, actually, I had, I'm meeting a guy that was across from him that sells um, sausages today. I've met him a couple times, and uh, he's introduced me to somebody. But as I was telling him about what I was doing, he's like, oh, you need to talk to Mark. And so I jump over next door, talk to Mark, and then, you know, my boys are buying shirts and hats. And um, and so it's it was really cool, you know, to think, man, just one conversation you know, can just woo, open up a crazy door, it's which is true. really fun. You know, it's true. I love yeah. it. So where, what part of town do you currently live in and why'd you choose that location? I live in Donaldson. Okay. Where we are. Mm-hmm. I'm about two miles down the road from here. Okay. And why did I choose it? When I decided I was going to actually move here, and that was actually back in 2007 when I made the decision, yes, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get past it being just a dream or a thought. Right, right. And my good friend, Cherise Baltori, who is also head of Global Songwriters, lived in, let's see, I think she lived in Hermitage at the time. And I was staying with her, and she said, you know, I mean, I did go around to a lot of neighborhoods with a real estate broker and everything, Mm -hmm. and she said, well, there's this condominium complex that you, I just want you to see it. And Mm -hmm. she had, she used to live there. And um, she showed it to me, and somebody had a for sale sign in their window. Yeah. Is it that Riverstone one just no, up there? No, it's, okay. it's back here. Okay. It's back here, and it's actually, um, and where I'm pointing for yeah. those listening. Yes. Is, is sort of <laughs> off of McGavick? North, yes. Yeah, I know where, I think I know what you're talking about. Is it close by the, the school, McGavick High School? It's close by there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's got a view of the river. It's yeah, really great. Yeah. Well, there's really very few. Like, it's really small and quaint, isn't it? It's, it's very nice. Yeah. It's very nice. Yeah. I, I, I'm very grateful to her for yeah. the idea and, and taking me there and Great we were location. able to make a deal and you'll be happy to know that that I didn't cut the real estate broker I've, out, that he was involved. Oh, and, it was a for sale by owner? Yes. Yes. But we involved him yeah. anyway because, you yep. know, it was the right thing to yeah. do and he was That's a good, good guy. So. That's good. That's good. <laughs> well, hopefully he took really good care of you. Favorite restaurant? Oh, Wild Cow. Okay. East, and where's, East, East okay. Nashville. East Linda Avenue. Okay. Yeah. I don't think I've tried that one. Well, it's 
It's a vegetarian restaurant, and um, it's really good. And I've brought plenty of people there who are not vegetarians who really like it anyway. It's just good food. I think we might have gone there because I think when we went there, we didn't realize it was a vegetarian restaurant. Uh I don't remember what we I don't remember what we ate, but I had to mention it to a guy I did a, a podcast with two days ago. He's a he's a vegan, so. That would probably be right up his avenue, obviously. Yeah, it's actually mostly a vegan okay. restaurant. All right. But they do offer you, um, if you want real dairy cheese, Okay. you can opt for that. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. Uh, favorite hobby? I don't know. I, yeah. I, I'm not much of a hobby person. Maybe you know? writing songs? Writing songs, but I don't view that. I view right. that more as a calling than, than right. a hobby. Right. You know, I'm very interested in um, the environment, you mm-hmm. know, and working for the environment. But that doesn't, I just do that because I feel, co- you know, kind mm-hmm. of like, well, somebody's got to do it. Right. Um, it's not like I do it for fun. Yes. Oh, I like <laughs> to play, um, I like to play Scrabble a lot. Okay, there you go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't, yeah, that's a, what you got to know how to spell spell stuff and yeah. what words mean i couldn't i'm not good at that that's my wife um uh-huh. i'll sometimes i'm texting and i'm you know i'm trying to type something out and i can't get close enough to the spelling and i'm like man so i'm like, oh yeah siri and she gets it all the time <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank god goodness for right thank god for sure <laughs> um so what are what's one of the most exciting places you visited you mean in nashville it, no just anywhere in anywhere the world. your travels or hmm well, actually, you know, New York is a really exciting place, mm-hmm. you know, and, but it was more than a visit. It was a very long visit right. that I was there. And it's very exciting. It's very fast paced. I don't know. I, I That's about the best I can okay. do All for right. you. <laughs> that's good. All right. So in a, in, a, in a few minutes, tell me a little bit about yourself. I, I said the bio and you can elaborate on some of the stuff in there, um, but just a little bit overview of yourself. Sure. Well, I was born in New York City, but we didn't actually live there. We lived in Long Island, you know, 20 or 30 miles away. Typically, you know, a woman might have her doctor at a hospital in New York City, you know, if they lived out in Long Island. So that was the reason that I was born in New York City. Mm -hmm. But I think by the time I was two, I was about two, we moved to New Jersey. My parents bought land in New Jersey. We had a chicken farm. Nice. And that's where I grew up, at the the dead end of a dirt road. And then the price of eggs went down, and we kept the farm, but we didn't work it anymore. My parents, you know, worked. Uh, My father uh, actually went back to school. He became a college professor. Okay. My mother went back to school and became a child psychologist. And I just played in the woods and, you know, had a good time living there. And uh, let's see. I did go to college for a little while. didn't agree with me very much. So I'm sort of more self-educated. I did leave. That was much to my father's dismay. Because later in their life, they went to school. So, yeah. Not only that, but, you know, he lost money because because I quit school because I was going to a... Oh, gotcha. To an expensive school. it wasn't like we were rich, but they wouldn't award me a scholarship. They said because my we weren't poor enough or right, something. Right. I didn't think we were all that rich. I'll tell you what. You know? <laughs> and um, I was in a band then, and that's referenced in the 
and we we almost had a deal. Uh, the band was called Pound Sterling. First, it was called the Munchkins, actually, okay. and went through personnel changes and everything, and became Pound Ster- Sterling. I was what they would call at that time the chick singer. I kid you not. Actually, if any of your listeners have heard of the band uh, The Naz, you've probably heard of Todd Todd Rundgren. Todd Rundgren was um, maybe the driving force in The Naz, and um, I knew him before, you know, I knew all those guys before they mm-hmm. became famous. And um, our former drummer ended up being the drummer in the net. So we all knew one another, kind of came out of the same area. The band ultimately, we we came very close to getting a deal on Atlantic Records, but we didn't. And mm-hmm. I have to say I was really young, and I can't say I even know why, because mm-hmm. I don't think I knew why at the time. I was not involved in any way in the business, business acts, um, aspects of mm-hmm. it. Then I started, after the band fell apart, I, I was in New York after that, and because the band had been in Pennsylvania, but I was in New York, and I, you know, began doing some solo stuff. I mean, not great, I'm going to tell you. Not, <laughs> it was not great. But, um, and went on to work at other things for a number of years, but it, but it was a kind of, it ate away at me, mm-hmm. you know. I really wanted to get back into music, right. really a lot, but I sort of didn't, and you know, and and then I um, just think about this. I can't remember some of it. This is crazy, you know. It, this was later than the '60s, but you know what they say: if you, if you remember the '60s, you you weren't there. <laughs> yeah. um, just trying to think of the sequence of this. Somebody suggested that I enter a song that I had written and recorded in a song contest. And I actually, I got an, it was a bill, billboard and I got an honorable mention and it kind of made me, oh wow. Yeah. You know? And I started a little band that eventually became Stone Pulse was the name of the band. We played out a lot, but I was sort of back in it at that point. I started coming to Nashville, got involved with the NSAI, Mm -hmm. and I would say only then did I really begin to learn how to write. I mean, I felt like, I mean, I'd I'd been writing, but I really didn't know what I was doing. And I learned so much of the craft from going to NSAI workshops and writing with people who knew a little bit more than I did. Eventually, I became a coordinator of the NSAI, as you mentioned. Actually, yeah, I must have left off a, a C on that. No, coordinator. No, you, okay, you, you I said, said it right. All you right. said it right, yeah. Okay. Um, and I did that for quite a while, and it was a really good experience. Part of it is like a giving back. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you know you're helping writers who are not... It was a volunteer position, I should say. Okay. Yeah. Uh, regional coordinator, it sounds really fancy, but I was a volunteer. And you, you are helping less experienced writers to learn how to write better. So, you know, it feels good to help people, of course. Right. You know, the other aspect of it is, though, that in order to teach somebody something, you really have to study on it and really have to get more conversant with it than you than you might have been. So I was always studying to prepare for 
these workshops and stuff. Right. And my own writing began to improve. And I've got, during my trips to Nashville, I would come here um, and record. And I would, you know, I did end up getting a couple of single-song contracts. There was a big flurry about one song, and it ended up going nowhere. But... But, but um, uh, you know, I, the bug had bit me, right. you know, and yeah. and uh, it was that's sort of all I could think about. Well, then I'm going to say, you know, without a great deal of detail, that that um, the next several years were, you know, life was definitely in the way. Elderly parents mm-hmm. and you know various connections. I owned a business. I. I had to find a way of, I don't want to say disposing of it. It sounds kind right. of like throwing it in the trash, but right. but doing something with it where I'd get something out of it. And, you know, right, right. And then the downturn came. And so the long and the short of it is that I bought my place in 2007, my condo in Donaldson. Was it before or after the market tanked? It was right before it was going okay. down, so I, I got a pretty good okay, deal. Good, good. I probably could have gotten a better deal if I waited. But, right. but I was thinking that I would be here, you know, in the next year. You know, oh, it's going to be simple. I'll, I'll sell the business and blah, blah, blah. And despite the fact that it was a very well-regarded business, I mean, we got awards and stuff, the downturn just... Yeah. So as a result, I didn't get out until June 30th, 2014. I didn't actually leave until seven years uh, or this will be close to seven, about six and a half years after I bought my place. I had tenants. Right, right. You know. That was fun. Well, that worked out good, yeah. I mean, long term anyways, right? Well, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. And I believe in my better moments, Mm -hmm. I believe that, you know, you kind of have to look at the road that brought you to this moment as kind of, you know, God bless the broken Mm -hmm. road, that kind of thing. Yeah. That brings you to this moment. And it gave you a few price songs to write about, right? Oh, there's there's so much that endless material as far as I'm concerned. Well, that's cool. You know, you talk about the craft and all that stuff, and obviously not being in the music industry, um, I'm clueless about it. And I would leave. We played at a friend's house. We played poker, and he's a pretty successful songwriter. And every time we'd leave, I'm like, you know, I'm just going to write a song. Like, I'd be driving from Hendersonville back to Mount Juliet, and I was just thinking, I'm just going to write something down. But... Obviously, there's much more to just a thought of, hey, that's a, that'd be a good topic to write about, you know? Well, but th- but that is part of it. Start. That really is part of it. You need to have the, it's like the will or the inspiration and will are, are definitely part of it. And I mean, I've heard people say, oh, I could never write a song. To say, hey, I should write a song. Well, you, you know, you're... You got you're twenty five percent of the way. Right, I'm not going to say half right, way. Right. You know, <laughs> you have to have some skill in music and and um, yes, and uh, learn the craft. So uh, tell me a little bit about your music upbringing. Um, at what age did you begin to enter the music scene, and who or what influenced you to do that? I think my brother had a lot to do with it. My parents raised us on you know classical music and folk music. All of which is great. I was given piano lessons when I was six. I started 
playing piano, but it was all classical piano. I had a couple of different teachers and then ultimately went back to my first teacher who was a very, very skilled musician with very, very high standards. But my brother, while all this classical stuff was going on, my brother would listen to the radio, to the, you know, the AM radio, you know, what was on the top 40 and whatever was his favorite song would be mine. Mm -hmm. He was five years older than I am. So I was, you know, always looking up to him. So that was one important thing. And when folk music became really big, I think I started to think I could do that. And my parents always told me, you can't sing. Everybody said, you know, that's all you need to tell a child, right? And if you right. say it in the right amount, the child will go, well, yeah, I can. You know? <laughs> oh, right. I love it. Okay, gotcha. Either they'll go, I can't. Okay, I, I never try again. My parents said I can't. Or they'll go, yeah, I can. And I used to imagine that I was a singer. Now, I will fast forward real quick and tell you, I regard myself as a songwriter singer. There are a whole lot of way better singers out there than me. And my way of singing is... Is very, you know, particular to me. It's stylized, you might say. Okay. You know? So it's me. And you like it or you don't like it, kind of. And I, I don't mean that to sound... I hope you do. I always hope you do, you know. But some people, I think, would not find it, you know, to their taste. Right. I ain't Carrie Underwood, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> you know? So uh, did, you know, some singing then and then I think I've already told you about joining the band and everything like that and you know I came up during a time when when um, Jimi Hendrix and Cream were like really big and I love that that guitar based stuff I I love I will always love Jimi Hendrix like I think he was amazing and not that I play anything like that, but I think Aretha Franklin was a big influence. Um, real blues like Junior Wells. If anybody doesn't know who that is, I encourage you to, to uh, Look him Google up. him. Yeah, he was a harmonic player, but, but also a really great singer. Just his phrasing and everything. So a lot of those guys influenced me. I'd say Joan Baez to some degree, although I always get very upset by the compar- people saying, oh, you you even look like her. You know? And I, I don't see it, but anyway. Um, and my voice is, you know, she had this smooth, beautiful voice, and mine isn't smooth, smooth like that. So when I was listening to, the, to music that my brother was turning me on to, there was a lot of rockabilly on, on the radio, and that I love that you know I I like really I like traditional music like a lot you know bluegrass and and um, some folk not all of it but you know maybe you know sort of loosely called mountain music old time you know mm-hmm. blues I like rhythm and blues too you know Aretha Franklin was totally I don't like saying, oh, well, what's going on now isn't cool. You know, I, I don't feel that way. You know, I feel like it's, it's a, it's a, and, and music is an evolving mm-hmm. thing, you know. And if you appreciate it, you appreciate a, a lot of it, I would imagine, right? Right, right. I mean, I, I'm in like opera, actually. Right. Well, that's how, that's how, I, like, I've just learned, like, even growing up when I would listen to um, a lot of the alternative stuff. Yeah, uh, half the time I didn't listen to the lyrics. I yeah. just love the music. Um, I went and saw Jerry Douglas 
Joe Douglas mm. fan. Um, and I had, I don't know if I've ever listened to him, but like I'm at Nashville City Winery and I went to see a friend of mine, Ross Holmes, who played with somebody. And then another past client, Mike Seal, uh, plays with Jerry Douglas. Guitar, like he's awesome. And, uh, uh, but it was so cool. Like, I mean, just the music and, you know, they had um, a sax player. I forget what the other instrument was, but you just heard so much music, you know, and I'm like, oh, this is what I love, you know, like hearing, you know, Ross Holmes, who was a, a past client, played a fiddle and he came up in here and played some songs like he's awesome. You know, another one, when you say the blues and stuff, have you ever heard of Lark and Poe? I have not. So it's two two women. Lark and and Lark and Poe. And they have a really cool sound. Oh. Like and actually the the guy, Mike Seal, his wife is one of the sisters in Lark and Poe. And um, they got a really cool blues guitar, like she plays steel guitar. It's pretty cool. Oh, um, I'm gonna look for them. Thank yeah, you. you have to check it out. Yeah. So um if you were preparing a speech for a lifetime achievement award, who are a few people you would for sure mention and why? Oh, well, I would mention my family, um, my brother, you know, being a kind of a lifelong fan of mine, right. my dad for more for his example more than anything, because and my brother likes to remind me of this. Remember where you came from, he will say to me. My dad tried a bunch of different things in his life, and if something failed, he would dust himself off and get back up and do something new and different you know and that's a great example my mother was a very kind of meticulous woman and i think i that's been something you know i kind of learned that from her and i think that serves me in mm -hmm. my writing my piano teacher her name was Dottie hamburger her standards again were extremely high you know a very she was a wonderful player and and a wonderful teacher, you mm -hmm. know. So I will remember that 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 definitely. She she's gone a long time too. Mm hmm. Um, mm, let's see. Well, some of my co-writers have really, you know, in particular one, David Stewart. I've been writing with him for about twenty years. He lives in Brooklyn. Um, he comes down every few months and stays in my spare room. And I learned I've learned a great deal from him. And uh, now I can give him a run for his money. Yeah, so. that's awesome. I don't know, I have to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who else? Well, that's a good amount. It's yeah. obviously I was like I know you're gonna say your brother because you reference him a lot. Where's okay. he live now? New York City. Okay. Yeah. Does he come down or is he in a music scene? Oh no, he's okay. not a musician. Okay, at all. He's just... he is an engineer. He's retired now, but he was okay. an engineer, not of a train. <laughs> right. Know? Right. A chemical engineer. So as we go about this wonderful life, we encounter roadblocks, detours, landmines, and many other obstacles that either make us or break us. A longer journey, what have been some challenges and how did you overcome them? Yeah, that's a great question. That's really a good question. Because um, that, if anybody listening to this is, is, is listening for more than just, you know, having something going in their ear for any kind of guidance or inspiration, that to me is the, the single most important thing you can learn to write. You know, you can learn to sing, learn to play better or play, you know, but dealing with the obstacles is the, and I, I see them as at least 75% self-imposed. I, I think 
do we run into roadblocks in life? Of course we do. You know, you're driving downtown, you're supposed to be downtown at 10 o'clock and, the, and, and there's, you know, a backup on 40 and you didn't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's entirely external. Um, we have the choice of how we react to it, right? Choice of how we react to it, right. But I came up in a time where um, women didn't play guitar. They played piano only. Women were not, you know, with some exceptions, were not the well-known songwriters or anything like that. And now I could sit here and tell you, you know, I hate society for what it did to me. And I'm not going to say that I, that it didn't do something, but I feel as if something in me bought into it, you know, and I still struggle with that. What I struggle with is feeling like, oh, that I'm, I'm, I'm not as good as the boys, you know, and that, that's with me a lot of the time. And it's something I just have to say to myself, not that you want to beat the boys. It's not a competition, a battle of the sexes or something. It's more about saying, well, you know, I have my own gifts. I have, and I work at them. You know, I practice all the time. I practice singing. I practice playing. I work at, you know, my writing. I, I, um, I write with a number of my co-writers are, are male. Actually, for a long time, I think most of them were, you know, I'm, I'm, writing with some more women now. I think it's like it's a different perspective, but but actually everybody that you write with, it's a different perspective. Every single person. So it doesn't matter what whether they're male or female, right. you know. But I think, you know, the thing that has helped me most continues to is just being honest with myself about who's limiting me at this moment. Nobody on the outside is limiting me anymore. That's me that's mm-hmm. doing it. And I try not to get angry at myself. That That's not helpful either. What I try to do is just, you know, keep trying to learn, keep keep putting one foot in front of the other, you know, mm-hmm. and get out of my comfort zone. Right, you know? right. Um, that's cool. So, and this kind of ties into really what you were saying too, is um, sometimes we just don't want to face the day. Maybe you had a song you knew would do well, but it was shot down. Maybe for some reason, uh, for no reason at all, you just are not motivated to do anything that day. In times like these, how do you push yourself forward? So when you're in those moments of being too hard on yourself, you know, how do you just say, all right, forget it, let's move forward? Well, it's a balance. You know, it's a balance. It's sometimes, sometimes you have to lie in bed and be depressed. You know what I mean? And just say, okay, I'm just going to give in to this. You know, it's like, I, I don't feel well. You know, um, I'm going to just not feel well until I feel better. Of course, you can't give in to that mm-hmm. for too long. You know, um, just last night, Joe and I, Joe Sly yeah. and I had, had a song. We were like, we're really, really thinking like it's, the best thing since sliced bread, you know. And <laughs> last night we had a, we were at a pitch, and the guy like shot it down like like really fast, and <laughs> it seemed to us like for no good reason. So we have, you know, what do we do now? Do we? And this was after Joe got feedback on the song just the day before, which was spectacular. Mm-hmm. 
So at some point you have to say, you have to have the courage of your own convictions. That may require, you know, giving yourself a, a little boot in the ass, you know. Mm-hmm. Ooh. I'm sorry. In the butt. To, to get yourself to say, well, wait a minute, I think this is really good. Or, hmm, this is weird. Why did this person react this way, you know? Mm-hmm. Is there a trend in the reactions? Mm-hmm. You know, is, are a lot of people seeing the same problem? Now, if they are, then you've got a problem. If it's just one guy, you know, you know, everybody's got an opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. Um, you know that saying, which I'm not going to say, which I almost just did say before. But yeah, you 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 have to. Um, find a way and and it's not an easy thing to, to right. offer you have to find a way so sometimes i think it's good to push through your resistance and get out there anyway mm-hmm. and sometimes maybe it's not yeah. sometimes i like i like uh i mean just your first part of the answer is like sometimes when you're down you know just be down for a few minutes you know um or a day yeah or, well you know when i say that yeah yeah a day or right whatever. right right for, well it's just like mor- morning you know if somebody loses somebody you know, a thought would be, okay, at some point you got to get over it, but yet there is a morning period, you know, so if there is that, so it's interesting, I ask, you know, if you had a song shot down, but so literally you, you, I had that example last night. Right. Um, and as I'm, as I've done, you know, this whole idea in the name, in the content, and, and I'm one that likes to get opinions. So it's kind of like, you know, when you're pitching a song, you know, you obviously, you, you could say, I know it's good, but yet at the same time, you got to get somebody that likes it and has your own opinion, right? To some degree, unless you have like all the money and all the resources to get it all out there yourself. But I've found that, yeah, I mean, just that it's like, I could go, okay, so I got this new logo and I know people that are creative and, you know, artsy. And so I'll ask their opinion. And like I asked maybe 30 people, and you'd have somebody that would go this, this, and then you take kind of the something common. Um, and I guess that's that's my process of going. At some point, you just got to stop asking opinions. Well, and you yeah. got to make a decision, you know. But again, if everybody said, "Oh no, that sucks," then you go, "All right, we need a new logo." Right. You know? As I was learning to write, one of the most important, and I'm still learning. That's the way I look at it, and I will. Mm-hmm. If you you know interview me ten years from now. I'll probably say the same thing, you know, because it, it's it's a fluid thing. You know, you keep on doing it. Um, getting feedback on, you know, your early drafts of your songs, I think that's really critical, especially for an aspiring songwriter. It's really critical, and you know, you you have to have you have to have a lot of experience. So even though I'm not a well-known songwriter or, you know, somebody with a lot of cuts or anything like that, I have had a long, long experience writing songs. And it's only when you've had a lot of experience that you can say, okay, on this particular song, I'm not going to get any more feed. I'm not going to get any feedback or any more. I just know this is the way it's got to be. Right. And maybe even I don't want to change it, you know, and that may not be a good decision. But you you have to have the courage of your convictions, you know. I am usually, you know, very open to feedback on songs. 
what the guy said last night was ridiculous, but <laughs> <laughs> well, but like, I thanked him. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, even like last night, as I've gone through and I've tweaked questions, and I'm like, yep. all right, I don't want it just like that. I gotta, you know, add a little bit to it. And so my wife last night, she's like, well, so do you want me to review them? And I'm like, no. I was like, I don't want another opinion. I'm confident, and even if I say a question that's corny or whatever. So it's a question. It's different, you know. And so I just had that thought. I'm like, I value your opinion, but I don't have the time to go back and forth and debate this word or that word, you know. So, yeah, I mean, it is. is there's a time for opinions. Sometimes there's confidence. You move on. And it's, I think there's a healthy balance there. Well, well, yes. And part of it is that if you overdo the feedback process and start totally responding to what everybody else says, you can lose the juice, Mm -hmm. the juice in the song, the Mm -hmm. heart of it. Mm -hmm. You don't ever want to do that. There are plenty of songs on the radio that are great songs. And as I hear them, I go, God, this is a great song. I wish that, I would love to rewrite the line, line two in the second (laughs) verse or something like that. Because it's not perfect, but it's great because of, in it, the totality of it, the heart in it is right. comes through. And at some point, again, back to what we're saying, at some point, it, it's you can't always shoot for perfection. You know, you got to have some confidence, even though you know that. Just like you said, my voice, um, I have a unique voice. You know, some people might not like it. Some people love it. And you're not going to change it. You are who you are. So you got to just move forward. So I think that's with, with getting feedback, too. It's like at some point, it's just you just got to move on. Right. Um, just like we'll move on to the next question. So what do you do to celebrate your success? Well, I'm not much of a drinker. <laughs> I usually, you know, <laughs> I don't know, call people, announce it on Facebook. I, I don't, right. you know, I, I don't, I guess I don't, I, maybe I haven't had enough success to really answer that question and get back to you on yeah. that. You know? Well, you know, I had threw that in there, but it made me, as I was thinking of questions, I thought, you know, it was like a lot of times, you know, we can focus on, all right, you know, a big time in our life to change and stuff. But just like whenever I have a, you know, a real estate sales, my wife's like, oh, she gets excited about something. And I'm just like, oh, it's just my job. And I think at times we have to make an effort to, you know, park there and bask in the success of the moment. Maybe you know? you're right. Yeah. Um, and, and I think then that kind of ties back to being gra- grateful. Grateful. Know? A moment of yeah, gratitude, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, as I wrote that, I just thought, I was like, yeah, maybe that we don't focus on the positive as much, which we don't in general. It's harder as a, uh, a culture that to focus on all the positives. So. Yeah, well, I think our, the default in the human being is to the negative. Mm-hmm. I've, I've literally read that that's mm-hmm. scientifically true, but oh, I but I I'm grateful to you for reminding me mm-hmm. to be grateful. Well, I sometimes do. I don't do it every night. Write down what I'm grateful right. for. You right. know, you're supposed to write five yeah. things that you're grateful for. The gratitude and that, and journal that, aspect, right? Yeah. And that's supposed to help you sleep too. Yeah. <laughs> So um, I was reading on your LinkedIn profile, you noted, the longer I'm on the planet, the more I see um, that nothing is black and white. Almost everything is more complicated than that. Seeing that has actually been freeing for me. Plus, it gives me uh, lots to write about. So I read that and I thought, hey, that's that's great. I had just listened to um, a story brand um, podcast with Donald Miller episode 85 and it was titled how to embrace tension to be a strong leader and he noted a couple of things the problem in binary thinking um, well there's a problem in binary thinking 
think in a nuanced way, black and white, thinking is not only easy, but it's safe. Binary is the enemy of creativity. Hmm. Two proposed solutions in binary thinking. That didn't come out exactly as I had planned, but he kind of hit on that, you know, and they, they elaborated on the podcast and he interviewed a guy that had, I think he just wrote a book, but it talked about embracing the differences. And I think that's, uh, as I've even done this and talked to more people and you, you know, in real estate, I'm meeting so many more people and you hear different stories. Like it opens your mind to going, yeah, I could be, you know, I could have a strong opinion here, but you know, the more open you are the more the less opinionated you are or at least the more respectful you are um so i was just i didn't know if you wanted to add something about that just that thought in general i think we can hold two emotions in ourselves at the same time at least two you know it's like in your relationship with somebody you might be thrilled with something great that happened Mm -hmm. to them and also feel jealous or envious at the same time and they're both legitimate mm-hmm. feelings, you know, and I think I used to say, oh, I shouldn't, I sh- that's so mean of me, I shouldn't be jealous, it's a terrible, terrible way to be, and blah, 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 and then I realized, no, but I actually am happy for them. I am envious, and I'm also happy for them, you know, it's, so that's just an example, actually. Right, right, Yeah. I think emotions are complicated, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, I think, yeah, you can't control your thoughts, you know? Like, often I'll think, man, you know, I know I'm kind of, I'm being judgmental, yet I, I didn't turn it on, and I don't know, maybe there's a way that, maybe there's a practice in not being judgmental, but I think it's what you do with those thoughts. That's what's going to matter. You right. Know, just like, you're in that roadblock, what do you do? You know, do you start screaming and yelling, or do you go... Right. You breathe. You throw on a nice podcast that suits your mind, <laughs> you know, or, or turn music up, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, you know, telling you how much I love music. Like, I don't listen to a whole lot of podcasts. If you're listening to this, please do listen to a lot. <laughs> but I love music. You know, I love just cranking it up, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's a, a good point. Um, just uh, you have emotions and feelings and, and some can control them better than others. So uh, one definition of impact is to have a strong effect on someone or something. Um, How would you say you are having an impact on others? That's such an interesting question because I always think, little me? I mean, I'm uh, physically small stature and and just also, I think, up here in my head, kind of regard myself that way. And when people will indicate to me that I've had an impact. I'm I'm always kind of surprised by that. Um, I'm writing with a woman who sort of has begun writing. She's like middle-aged and she's just begun writing. I really like her. I like working with her. I think she's, you know, very musical, very got great ideas and and we've written some great stuff and she calls me her mentor and all this kind of stuff, you know. She used the expression, Song, my co-writer extraordinaire. Mm. She said that yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, well, that, mu- that must mean that I'm having an impact on yes, her. Yes, definitely. Know? And so it's, um, I, I, I guess, oh gosh, I, I'm, I'm having difficulty responding any further on that. Because right. I, because I, I'm, I guess I'm often surprised mm-hmm. when people say that, you know, that I have had an impact. Which is interesting because like, just like you said, your dad made a comment about 
you can't sing, right? Well, my and, parents pretty much said that I couldn't sing. Okay, but... Uh, Not that, him particularly, but... That pushed you to sing. I think so. So, yeah. so I think there is, you know, I think there's a lot of little moments that, you know, sometimes when I think that, I'm like, impact, man, big picture, you know, type stuff. But right. I think a lot of times it's the little tiny details, you know, that we don't realize that, you know, I mean, really think about it. How do you respond in that traffic could ruin somebody else's day. You know, I know I'm thinking more bigger picture, but I think it is a lot in the little details that you go through day that make that impact, you know? Uh, right before the mayoral election, somebody got into our com- condominium complex. They're not allowed to be electioneering, but somebody from some campaign, I didn't even know which one, I don't remember which one, came in and was going door to door and I was home and I said I'm sorry you're not permitted to do this mm-hmm. you know oh well we're not soliciting you know and gave me a little bit of an argument and then he went to this very elderly lady to her place and and I you know I had thought he had listened to me and then oh. I went out and I saw across the way I looked out the window and saw he was starting to bug her and I didn't like that and I went over there and I and I said really, you really can't do this here. You know, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. She remembered that incident Mm. months and months later, telling me how grateful she was. And, oh, you you looked out for me. You took care of me, you know. So I guess that's, you know, it was a little thing. It really wasn't a big thing. I didn't think she'd be very effective. Right. And so I... I just jumped in, yeah, but it, yeah. it's not a big thing, right? You know, right. But it meant something to her. Yeah, it does, and it, it's funny because, like, as I write that, I think I'm thinking big impact, but then I'm like, well, really, it's a lot of the small. I mean, it's just like with songwriting, you know, the more detailed you are, probably, and and the more you find your craft, it's the details that make the big impact. It's you know, true. that possibly get it's the really true. good song out. It's true. Um, so, uh, what advice can you give? Um, to parents about introducing music to their kids. Introduce it. <laughs> yeah, um, and I would say that's something not to skimp on at all. Expose them mm. to live music, um, to maybe don't, I would say, not to try and stop them from listening to what they choose to listen to, but try to expose them to other music mm-hmm. as well. I think, you know, my parents, bless their hearts, they never said, you can't listen to rock and roll or something, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know. I know they didn't think too much of it, but they didn't stop us Mm -hmm. from listening. I never felt like I was going to be in trouble or they were going to be angry at me or something. So Mm -hmm. I would say definitely expose them to as much music and it, and it could be even music that you yourself don't love. Let's say you like um, you like country music, um, and the kid listens to rap. Mm-hmm. Take them to a classical music concert. Mm-hmm. Just exposure. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's funny because I remember back when I was all into the rap and R&B, and I still love the beat. I love the bass and stuff. But I had my brother-in-law who introduced me to Stone Temple Pilots. And it was like, wow, I like this. And then it was, you know, incorporated all alternative stuff. And then you right. got people that listen to, you know, country and Garth was big, right. you know. So, uh, yeah, it was it was a little bit of here and there. And I think that's how, you know, and then moving to Nashville, you just, you know, seeing so many musicians, you just have a big appreciation for music, you know. You it's can't in the help water. but. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
A musician has just moved to Nashville and can't believe the talent. They believe they are good, but with all the competition in the city, fear begins to creep into their thinking. How do they push through that and take on Music City? It's not easy. It's not easy. Well, first of all, just I think you just have to remember you came here because of that, really. And that will help drive you to up your own game. But there's, I'll say this to the girls who are listening, you know, there's always going to be somebody prettier than you are, you know, and you just have to kind of, doesn't mean you're not. And remember that you're on, well, this was particularly true when I first started coming to Nashville. There's, it seems like there are even more people from other areas here now mm-hmm. than when I first started coming. And remember, always keep in mind that you're on somebody else's turf. Kind of operate respectfully. Don't act like you know it all. You do not. You know, none of us does. Right. You know. Very true. And just, re- you may decide. Oh well, I'm as good as X or something, and that's great. You know, enjoy that. You know, but you're you're gonna find Y, and I mean the letter Y, you yes, know, or yes. Z, and you're gonna go like, oh my God. You know, I thought I was good. I thought I now, was good. Right, right. Right. Like I said, there's always going to be somebody better. Yeah. You know, and try, try, try not to let that affect your own view of yourself. I, I look at it this way. Also, there's I mean, way back when I was in my band years ago, everybody used to say, honey, you want to be a musician? You know, music business is impossible. Well, it was a thousand times easier at that time. In, in a lot of aspects. Now we have the internet and, and technology so that anybody can make a record and everything. But but we're also um, today just like awash in so many types of music and so many genres and subgenres and artists of all stripes. I mean, they're just, and, and it's all disseminated. Mm-hmm. Like it's impossible to know it all mm-hmm. even. That's a good thing, in a way. It's a bad thing, and it's a good thing. The right. good thing is, well, you can find a niche for yourself, right. you know. Right. And the and the bad part is, you know, that it is a thousand. If you if your goal is to to get you know a deal with Warner Brothers, you know, you got a serious road um, to hoe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's um, it's really really hard. Mm-hmm. You cannot be focused on how hard it is. Right. I came to Nashville at a kind of a late point in my life, we'll put it that way, and I've begun to accumulate some small accomplishments. And do I have any, you know, big cuts or anything like that? No. But I'm further ahead than when I came here. And I actually, and this is something other people can do, I actually, I do this in the form of an email to people who may not be on Facebook or just people I haven't heard from in a while and I send an email out every few months where I itemize the most recent even if they're you know small accomplishments mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know I got a single song contract on this song you know it's and I try to make it kind of an engaging little but it's as important part of it is PR and keep right. keeping people on my radar mm-hmm. part of it is just for me because I have to list these like writing a bio you have to list all the things mm-hmm. that you've done recently you know and so that yeah. becomes an exercise 
in developing a little bit of confidence, developing, you know, the courage of your own convictions. I'll mm-hmm. use that phrase again. Which it kind of goes back to celebrating your success, right? I mean, that's a, that is one way that you're doing that. Well, you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah. I didn't think of that. <laughs> um, so from the great words of Timothy in 4.7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. When your journey is over, what legacy are you hoping to leave? Oh, I would, you know, I would love to be regarded as a, you know, a great songwriter. Yeah. And, and um, you know, a kind person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and uh, maybe somebody who made the environment a little bit better, mm-hmm. you know, a little greener. Right, right. Like the rain's doing today, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, that sums it up. Okay. Thank you so much for your time and all the oh, wisdom. It is really cool to like sit and listen to your story. You know, first time I, I meet you and, you know, just as you're talking, just knowing the experience and the history and, you know what I mean? It's pretty cool. It's like, I think sometimes about this camper, you know, being built in 1961 and where was the journey of it? You know, it's, oh, I it's, think about it's, stuff like that I love too. that, you know, that's why yeah. I love the, the history of older homes and stuff. And then I even think, you know, man, what a journey somebody could have that's 20 years old, you know, life could be easy or smooth, but, uh, but this is, it's kind of fun doing, you know, it is fun doing this cause you do get to, to see different perspectives and stuff, you know? So thank you so much for your time. And now <laughs> we're going to hear you, uh, sing a song. <laughs> Everything they did 
Ain't that what living is Sometimes my life gets so insane But as they sit and reminisce I see there's a better way I love to hear about those days When they went dancing every Friday the life of every party Laughing all the time Like they were kids Thanking God For what he gave them Never complaining Put their hearts In everything they did Never went to sleep Without a good night kiss And ain't that what living is Ain't that what living is? That was awesome. I loved it. Really did. That could bring a tear to somebody's eye, I think. That was the That's whole point good. of it, right? <laughs> That's awesome. I'm happy to. I hope you enjoyed Mary Beth's story as much as I did. A lot of great insight in there as she's obviously been around the musical world for quite a while. Make sure to tune in next week to hear Jeff Sanders. Jeff has a popular podcast called 5 a.m. Miracle with Jeff Sanders. He also is the author of the Free Time Formula. I recently started a morning routine, so this is great timing for me as well to uh, re-listen to the interview. The sponsors of this show are Buckwalter Impact Group of Benchmark Realty. You can reach Andrew at 615-973-7657 for any real estate needs in the Nashville and surrounding areas or if you're looking for a realtor in your local area. If you have any lender needs, give Brandon Hutchison with Legacy Mutual Mortgage a call at 615-866-9468. And lastly, if you have any title or closing needs, Give David Weber with Limestone Title and Escrow a call at 615-730-7955. They close anywhere and anytime at no additional cost. Thanks again for tuning in to Nashville Untold. And if you enjoyed the show, make sure to subscribe. Tell your friends and family and everybody you know about it. And uh, reviews are always appreciated. Make sure to check out the show notes for more details on Mary Beth, and you can follow her and see uh, when she is making some good hits. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter. We encourage you to leave us a rating or review on iTunes, and be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. To be a guest on the show or to share your thoughts, send us an email to podcast at andrewbuckwalter.com. Until next time.